Readings again, Jesus' name. David said years ago, many years ago, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And I'm glad to be in God's house this morning. I'm looking forward to being his, in his eternal house. We'll be exceedingly glad when we reach that place. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Trust that's your heart this morning, that there's nothing that excites you as much as the kingdom of God. There's nothing to be excited about in this world, really, as, as the kingdom of God and all that surrounds that this morning. And may that be our heart's cry, what we're pressing into as we go through life and um, make it our supreme goal is, the God, is God's everlasting kingdom. I wonder if we could, could we kneel together this morning and pray, seek God's face, those of us that can. Just kneel. Yes, our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name. We kneel before you, our God, our maker. We're the sheep of your pasture, Lord. We thank you that you're the good shepherd. You're the good shepherd of the sheep, Lord. And I just pray that you would lead us into the path of righteousness this morning. You lead us beside the still waters for your name's sake. And Lord, even as sometimes some, some people are being led through some valleys this morning, I pray you would... Be with them, Lord. Help them to just focus on you and trust and rest in you. I think of the hospital family also. I pray you bless them, Lord, this morning. I just pray you make a way for them in Christ Jesus. May they feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and bless them, O oh God, I pray. And I pray for those that are laboring in Haiti this morning from this very congregation. I ask they would be faithful. They'd be encouraged, Lord, even as they have. Going through some devalues this week also, there's, there's, been a, there's a small grave on foreign soil this morning, but Lord, we know that it's not in vain as, as people are pressing into your kingdom, Lord. It's, just, it's the cost of leaving all to follow you, and I pray you would bless them, Lord, this morning. Be with Jonathan and Michael's, Lord, just strengthen them, and others, many others that we know that have left to serve you, and I just pray for those in our local Bodies that have, are leaving all just locally to serve, I pray you bless them, keep them this morning. So Lord, I just ask you would help us to be faithful to you in these last days. Father, I pray for the anointing of your spirit upon each one of us today, that we would have anointed ears and anoint my lips, Lord, to speak forth the word of God. Let it be encouraging, be edifying, build up your body, Lord. I pray you be glorified. Bless us together now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last night we looked at just the reality that we're at the end of the age, I believe, might be the last generation, very well the last generation that is hearing the Word of God preached. May we be faithful in this generation that none of us would be left behind. The Lord has many good things in store for His people. We read in the book of Daniel that many, many shall be tried in the last days. Many shall be purified. It even says some, some shall fall. Many shall fall, it even says. But it also says that those, in spite of all of this, those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It's such a good time, like we heard this morning, 
no matter what we're facing, you know, there's a lot of focus on the election and the two parties and all that. But you know what? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's going to do a whole lot more than just um, getting wrapped up in all those things. And it's going to take our focus away from shining, from being connected to the power source. We need to be connected to that power source more than ever right now. Let the light shine. I believe even this, I had to think this morning, last night we talked about just the seriousness about Jesus returning again, watching and praying, being ready for that. But you know, if, if, we're, if our heart is really where it needs to be, walking with God, there's tre- tremendous, tremendous blessing ahead for us. There's tremendous anticipation should be in our hearts. And Peter there, Peter writes about the things that the, the angels desire to look into. There's something they can't really connect, but it really, it picks their curiosity. And I just almost, I have to think of a wedding. Whenever there's a wedding, there's, there's anticipation, there's just a, just a, a, a spirit, there's an environment of just rejoicing and anticipation before a wedding starts and the little children, the little girls are peeking around the corner, you know, they're just, I almost had the, I, I, I imagine a lot of things, but I just imagine the courts of heaven, the angels are starting to peek around the, the portals of heaven. Things, I believe that the, it's, it's being, the environment is just, if I may say it like that, is just, there's anticipation in heaven. And it's right to have it down here too. It should be. If we're ready, really ready to meet him and we are clear, it's right to look forward with anticipation as the angels are looking forward to what all is going to happen. May that be our heart. Just uh, can't wait. Just can't wait. This is so good. This is so good. Can't wait to see what happens. What's the next step here? But anyhow... May, may um, we be encouraged to keep pressing ahead. Um, this morning, um, I'd like to just share something as an encouragement to all of us, but especially to, to young people, to the youth. Um, it was something that was dear to my father's heart, and the young people, he ministered to a lot of young people. In the place he worked, he was just somewhat... Often people, my father was very outgoing. I'm not like him um, in a lot of ways, but he, he was just, people were attracted to him and a lot of young people that are different young people that worked the same place he did often would come to him for questions, life's questions, for just some answers, for directions. He just had that heart to reach out. And, um, but I, I, I will confess, the young people, dear young people are close to my heart and I just want to bless you this morning Many people with all that's out there tantalizing to draw you away, to just take your own way. There's many that still are being faithful. I just want to bless you this morning for even being here. Maybe you didn't want to come, but I believe most of you wanted to come. There's something that's right, right, something in your heart that you're drawn to the Word of God and to the body of believers, to the saints. And I want to bless you for that. You sometimes, you often... Youth find themselves in a hard place because sometimes here, you know, we just need to grow up. Why don't you just grow up? That, I trust you don't do that to your youth, but that, that kind of feeling is in, in the world, especially sometimes in frustration. Why don't you just grow up? And maybe you feel some of that here sometime or in churches. Why don't you just grow up? But then, some, then the other times when you're just really trying to please the Lord and your parents, and they, they almost tend not to believe it, that you're serious when you really are growing up. So you're, you're in a difficult place at time. I admit that. 
But be encouraged. The Lord is on your side, and really you have a lot of good parents here. I believe that are behind you. And they're, they want to bless you, and I want to bless you also for that. Um, I just encourage you, when I had mentioned last night, it's 41 years this summer, this July, when I became a Christian, my, my father wasn't home that day, but I, my mother helped me pray, and we, I confessed my sins. And that evening, my father came to me and also blessed me and just said, he really encouraged me, go into the book of Proverbs a lot. The book of Proverbs has a lot of good instruction for young men and young women. And I've been blessed over the years, often reading through Proverbs, and it talks a lot about instruction to a young person. Bow your ear, incline your ear, and so forth to instruction. Your life will be blessed. We hear sometimes, I've heard it many times, you probably that experience is the best teacher. Um, experience is a good, good teacher, but I don't believe it's the best one. I believe the best way to approach is to bow your ear. You can avoid a lot of experience, negative experience, by just bowing your ear, listening, inclining your ear, taking instruction. You can save a lot of mileage that others can share with you. This is what I experienced because I did not bow my ear. If we can just do that, it will save you a lot of mileage. That's an unnecessary mileage. So experience will be a good teacher, but sometimes it's a ruthless teacher. It's a very, it can be a very hard teacher. It can also be a good, good teacher, but I think there's a, there's a higher there's a higher teacher than experience, according to the book of Proverbs, and that is to, to listen, young people. Listen to what others have to tell you. And I had to, I had to learn that. I had to learn by experience. I thought my father at the time was kind of old-fashioned, you know, that just doesn't quite see it, but it's just, it's just like many men find out later in life that father, he was not quite so much of an antique after all. He's very up-to-date with, with a lot of his advice. And so just let's bow our, our ears to, to the instruction. Um, I don't know how it is here in your area where you come from or you live, but um, we're surrounded in... Grew, I grew up in Holmes County. I don't know how many churches. There are just church after church. And sometimes, summertime, especially when it's warm, they'll have maybe a certain youth group will have a sign out by... <clears throat> excuse me, by a, in a public arena that um, they're having a car wash, maybe so and such a church having a car wash. I mean, the first church of God, the first church of Christ having a car wash. And um, I'm not belittling that, but sometimes I know I've, I've seen some of those and they're, you know, I, mean, couldn't, I couldn't even go there because of the, the improper dress that's being displayed there. But i just like to um, lift up the first church of Christ today the youth from the first church of Christ out of the book of Acts. I'd just like to go through the book of Acts and, and point up some, look at some examples of how the youth were involved at the birth of the church there. And let's just be encouraged together. I trust it can be a positive, something that we want to go for. It's not a negative, oh, do I have to hear this? Do I have to do this? But it can be, the Lord has so much good in store for you young people. If you just take it to heart, I can't, we cannot, with our feeble tongue in this mortal body, express what good things the Lord has in store for a young person that dedicates his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it's a, it's a, you're amongst a rare, rare commodity in our nation even. A young person that has set their body, soul, and spirit apart for the, for the Lord. You're very, you're very special in the eyes of God. 
And I, wanna, I just want to encourage you to keep it there and keep pressing into that. Okay, the first church of Christ in the book, out of the book of Acts. The youth from the first church of Christ. I don't know, you might call it a youth group. I, or I just like to look at it as, as the youth. Those that were involved there. And talking about the book of Acts, that, um, it's something I, I really like to read that book. I, I believe it's somewhat, in my mind, it's somewhat a book of transition. Um, if you read, keep reading into the epistles, then it's like maybe kind of sometime the, the, the midwife or the birthing room of the new church. We don't stay in the delivery room forever, thank God. But it, it was a transition. I think there's good things we can still learn from that. It's something we want to, um, to learn from. And, and um, there's principles here in the book of Acts that are still work for us well today. And I, I found... I came across this writing sometime. I don't even know where I got it anymore. I just discovered it here again about someone that had been working on the book of Acts, a translator, maybe translating it into some other language. But this is what he said. A translator that worked on the book of Acts said, It is impossible to spend several months in close study of the remarkable short book without being profoundly stirred and, to be honest, disturbed. The reader is stirred because he is seeing Christianity, the real thing in action for the first time in human history. The newborn church, as vulnerable as any human child, having neither money, influence, nor power in the ordinary sense, is setting forth joyfully and courageously to win the pagan world for God through Christ. Yet we cannot help feeling disturbed as well as moved, for this surely is the church as it was meant to be. It is vigorous and flexible, for these are the days before it ever became fat and short of breath through prosperity or muscle-bound by over-organization. These men did not make acts of faith. They believed. They did not say their prayers. They prayed. They did not have conference on, on um, health. They simply healed the sick. But then, then it says, this is really what I want. I know that's... Part of what I read, it could seem, well, where's all the, where's the structure and all of this? I'm not, I'm not um, advocating. It's just a, a loose end that without in some structure. And I'd say well, it's the rest of the um, epistles that Paul wrote really brings things into a solid place here. But <clears throat> there's still some truth in this. Here's what he says at the end. But if they were uncomplicated and naive by modern standards... We have ruefully to admit that they were open on the God word side in a way that is almost unknown today. And that was written in 1950, in the 1950s. And I'd just like to lift up that, that thought today. They were open on the God word side. And I'd just like to, young people, especially all of us, especially young people, keep your heart open on the God word side. And God will do many amazing things through you and for you. We're not doing it for our own glory, but remember that those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. If, they're, oh, if you're open on the Godward side, if we, are let, if we are allow our lights to shine. But the opposite could also be true, that if we're not open, we're hiding a light under a bushel. Well, first of all, I, I believe that um, God's heart, in the book of Acts, it becomes very clear. His heart is that, that we that we experience household salvation. It comes forth in, in chapter 10, Cornelius, it says that he and his whole household 
They believed. They were, they were baptized. Um, and that, that, I believe that was a result. Peter's conversion, the opening of the door to the Gentiles, and we're still benefiting in 2020, 2020, from Cornelius' faith and his obedience in his household. So as he mentions his household, but the, there's a couple things that, that um, this brother was doing even before he was converted, things that Jesus said, if you do in secret, I will reward you openly. And he was doing this already. He was praying. You read that closely. He was praying. He was fasting and he was giving alms. He mentions all those. And his payday came for him. He was rewarded openly with household salvation. Also, the Lydia, when she was baptized in chapter 16, it says that um, when she was baptized and her household. So household salvation, that is, that is God's heart, that we experience household salvation. I know there's cases where a person gets, a young person maybe get born again, the parents aren't. But it is, it is really God's heart that those that know the ways of God, that they, this is a continuity, this is God's heart, is that there's household salvation. Then the same chapter at the end, the Philippian jailer, says he mentions it four times in that short passage about he and all his or he and his household. They, were, they heard the word of God and they were baptized and they rejoiced in God with all his house. Household salvation, Christmas, the ruler of the synagogue Gog in there, chapter 18. The church of Corinth, at the birth of the church of Corinth, the establishment of that church, says that he also and his household believed. So household salvation, first of all, and I can't help but believe that when, when the Holy Spirit came there in the first two chapters, how the, the onset of the birth of the, that church, the early church, that there was young people. I believe there was young people involved who saw some of these things happening, were involved with it. And they were part of that um, early movement there. When God really was on the moon, I believe they were there. And in chapter 2, when Peter preaches anointed message for the first time, preaching Jesus Christ after he was done with his, after he was being reinstated with the Lord Jesus after his betrayal and denial, full of the Holy Ghost, he preached. And I believe there was young people there also and listened. And I would have no reason to doubt they were young people that also believed and took in all those things that were being shared. It says that with many other words, they, Peter and the others exhorted them and said, Save yourselves from this untoward, this crooked generation. I believe there was young people there. As, as we keep looking into this, in chapter 5 now, I'd like to, I'll just read a few verses there. It mentions some young people. We have the account here of Ananias and Sapphira. They sold this, this um, piece of ground. Barnabas had just done it in the, in the preceding chapter. He came and laid the money at the apostles' feet. And here Peter um, had this discourse here with Ananias and his wife also came and brought some money. As we know the story, I'll just paraphrase some of this. But they wanted to appear that we gave it all to God. We're, we're dedicated. We're, into, we're in this thing. We're just, we just want to really be connected with this body here, with what God is doing. But there's still, there's a part of it, part of their heart was not clear. They kept back part of this. They just made it appear we gave it all. And we well know the story. And then Peter challenges him and um, says, why, how can you, how can you... Um, why do you allow Satan to fill thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, 
Was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? You had every right to keep some, but just be honest is what he's saying. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And verse 6, and then it says, And the young men arose. They were, they were part of this church, this new church. So the young men arose, and they wound him up. They, they, I think they just wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. So that this is something that we can be part of, young people, personally and in a corporate way. Are you, are you a channel? Are, are we being channels to help take the dishonesty, take the hypocrisy out of, out of our life or out of, our, out of the body here? Where are we at in that on honesty? Being honest where we're at with the Lord. Are we, I just look at these young people. They were part of this. They realized this sin in the camp Dishonesty, hypocrisy will not, is not going to be part of this. It won't, won't, won't help. We can't have this. So they were part taking it out. They were help, willing to help the carry, sin out the door and bury it, get rid of it. We want no more. They were unashamed to stand for the truth there. I believe through them, they became very clear, black and white. Things became very black and white. There's no place for compromise here. So may that be your, your testimony also, that there's no compromise. We want, we're in this thing together. We have the same heart that the Lord has on honesty and integrity. I wonder what they said that evening when they went home to their families. Guess what happened today, Mom, Dad? We were there, we were having, we were having our worship, we were together praying. Things were really going for us. And here comes this man, and he, he gave us some money. And the next thing you know, he was sprawled out on the floor. He died. Peter talked with him. We heard what he said and just challenged him. He was gone. We carried him out. Three hours later, his wife came in, didn't know anything about it, probably looking for her husband, thought maybe he's, he received some important position of, because of what he just did, of giving their, this um, gift to the Lord. She came in and then Peter said, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? And the same thing happened to her. Said as they were talking, she dropped down dead. We carried her out also. I, and I, I, I wonder how well those young people slept that night, thinking about what had happened, those young men. The reality, this is serious. This is a good thing, being in this new church and things are, we've been baptized, we, we're... We've been energized, we've been filled with the Spirit. But there's a seriousness, there's just a note of seriousness about this also. Pretending is just not going to cut it. It's very black and white. So, Bible talks about we can grieve the Spirit of God. I think this was a grief to the Holy Spirit at the onset of this newborn child, church. That there's men and women already willing to compromise, willing to come with not a clean heart. So let's not, young people, I just encourage you, live in honesty and transparency. Have, have, a, have parents, have someone that you can, you can relate with consistently and, and, um, and keep current where you're at with the Lord and with, with your personal walk and 
be very honest and transparent. It will save you, save you a lot of grief and hardship. So where are we at, young men? Are we helping to, are we a channel to help carry the sin out the door? Or are we a channel that are we allowing it to come in? Let's be on this side of the, as these young men, we're, we're taking it out. We want, to, we want to see holiness being lifted up. And um, just a spirit of honesty and transparency. Okay, so we'll, we'll leave those young men. We'll go over to chapter 7. Chapter 7, Stephen, I'm not sure how old he, he was when he preached here. But he had this um, chapter 6, toward the end of the chapter 6. As Brother Darrell was sharing about the light, I thought about Stephen here. It says that his light was lit, lit up like an angel as he was called before the, the rulers there. And he testified his light was shining. And I believe his light, that light, his face was just shining as he kept right on preaching this whole sermon. Here was this shining like an LED bulb. He was just shining and he was preaching. Um, but he, he had such light that those enemies couldn't take it. They just couldn't take it. And we know how it ended. He ended up under a stone heap or they stoned him and killed him. But, <coughs> excuse me. But verse 9, I'm, not, I'm looking at... Someone he preached about, I like to look at Joseph. He says in verses 9, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. But then it says, but God was with him. Well, that almost seems like a paradox. He, God allowed him to be sold into Egypt, but it says, but God was with him. And sometimes young people have a lot of whys in their life. Why did this happen? Why was I born in this family? Why did that person get all the breaks? Why did that person have a, get married? Why can't I? Why, why, why? Why is God not with me? Joseph, anyone could have had, had, had the right to ask, why would have been Joseph? But it says that God was with him. Where, what about the bitterness in his life? I, I don't know, did he ever struggle with that? We don't read it, but there's something, somehow that young man had purpose in his life and his heart I'm not going to go the route of bitterness. If he would have done that, there, there, we just would not have the testimonies we do of what came out of his life. If there ever was someone that would need to go to a counselor, have a counseling session, it's probably Joseph. All the things that he suffered from his brothers. You know, a lot of that today is about going back. Well, what, how did that affect you? You go back and back and back. It's just... Always someone else, always some environment. Something about my environment is why I am where I am, why I'm in this bitterness, why I'm having these hurts, these struggles. And I'm not saying there's, those things aren't real, but those things, that's why the, God has placed us in, the, in a body of believers that we care for one another. And we, we take personal, personal responsibility if, if we... For um, our weaknesses, for our sins. But, but Joseph, we don't re- read that he had any of this. But still he suffered. It says in, in the book of Psalms that they hurt his feet. He were, were hurt in the fetters of iron. But we, don't re- we just don't read just the de- um, despondency. There's, I'm giving up. I'm, since I, I'm suffering all this, I can, I'll just give in to sin. No, it, w- it was not, it was not um, Joseph's testimony. I believe it mentions that he, God was with him because even as Joseph 
was down in the pit as he started down towards Egypt with those Ishmaelites. The, the reason he could say that God was with him because as a young boy, he was open on that Godward side. He, decided, he kept his heart where it needed to be. He was open on the Godward side. And he had this testimony, amazing testimony later. God's testimony is life. I think even in, it's going to fall on into the New Jerusalem. We, I, I, it talks about the 12 foundations that are named with the apostles and the 12 gates with pearl. But before that, I don't know which chapter talks about the 12 tribes that are sealed. Dan is not mentioned, but I think it's, is it Joseph or his two sons? Joseph got a double inheritance when they went into the land of Canaan. You look on, you look on the map, your Bible map, Joseph, I mean Ephraim and Manasseh, two sons, proportionally had, had more land on the average than the others did. And um, at the end of his life there in the last of Genesis, when Jacob, their father, was, was sharing the blessings, he was given the He's talking about every, every son, every tribe. He says, this is what it says about Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bough that, that um, is planted beside a well. He was open on the Godward side. He was planted beside the source of water, living water. And he, his life was fruitful. It says that that bough went over the wall. The branches went over the wall. Even though he was in prison, he was hedged in. He was hedged on every side by physical walls like in prison, but his couldn't contain him. That life he had, he went over the wall. And your life, my young pe- dear young people, you might think that my life is not fair. I, I just suffered more than others. It's just not fair. If you're connected, if you're planted by that well, close to that well, your branches, your fruit will go over the wall. There's nothing, there's nothing that man can do to contain the fruit that God wants to bring out of your life. Be encouraged. It doesn't matter what you're facing. May your life be fruitful. Be open on that Godward side. Let's be open. I preach like this has been just a tremendous experience, experience for me. No, I've, I've been through valleys. I've, I've had my time. But I can also testify, whenever I kept my heart open on the Godward side, He never, ever failed me. Never once. Sometimes it was maybe silent for some years. You just felt, I'm just plotting, I'm plotting, I'm plotting. But I look back now, God has been faithful, ever so faithful. Some of my, some of my best remembrances, I, I was quite a bit older when I got married. I was in my mid-30s. Um, but in my 20s, Different times at night, I would go out on a, on a hillside, the open sky, and I'd just lay on my back, stars, and I'd just really commune with God. And I, I just have no regrets for those times. It's just opening my heart when you're just really out there a while and you to try to get and just grasp everything in the creation, who I am and who God is, it puts a lot of things in perspective. And it helps keep things on the, on, the God, on the Godward side, too. I thank God for some of those experiences. and Also, the, the, the precious Word of God. I think that it says that the Word of the Lord tried him. It says that the Word of the Lord tried Joseph. So the things you're facing, difficult, are not just happenstance. They're just not coincidence. I wonder why that happened. Bad luck. No, if, if, you're, if you are purposed to, 
be planted by the living water and you're, you're on the, open to the God word side. Nothing is just happens. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord tried him. The word of the Lord will try us also. So keep, get, let's, let's um, um, encourage you. I so appreciate how you're memorizing scripture. And I, I can testify when I was in my youth, Something, I don't know, just inspired me. I, I want to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know. I, I expect a number of you have that, maybe all of you. Memorize the Sermon of, on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as a young person. It sets a tremendous foundation for your Christian life. I believe it's so important. As the rest of the Scripture, but especially those five, those three chapters, are so foundational on the teachings of Jesus, how it affects all of our life and our relationships with God and with man. Very, very, very important. And I, I can testify to this also. Romans 6 for a young man that often, young men often struggle with, mor- with moral issues. Romans 6, tremendous um, ammunition against the enemy. You ingrain that in your very soul and your being. And many times at night, um, as I would go to sleep, I'd be memorizing my mind, just quoting the Sermon on the Mount or some of these chapters. And it's just, it's just such a blessing to have these in your engrafted. It says that we should receive with meekness the engrafted word. Once it's engrafted, it's part of you. And it's just part of the fruit bearing. It's part of that, that branch that wants to grow over the wall. Be in the word of God. <clears throat> okay. I think we'll leave Joseph. We'll go to, go to chapter 12 here. Chapter 12 is the chapter when this young fledgling church body was on the move. They, had, they were filled with very God of heaven himself. They were going forth and they were preaching. But as it happens today, it was back then also. Anytime that there's a move forward, there's resistance from the enemy. That's what's happening here. They um, were preaching and of course the the rulers, the leaders, the religious ones, that is, came against them. They said, hush, you need to stop this. And we, we know the story here, how Peter ended up in prison. James was killed with a sword as his Herod took his life, killed him. And he was intending to take Peter also. And he actually, he arrested him, put him in prison, intending after the Passover to bring him out and have him tried, probably the similar very similar experience for Peter that had just happened to James. Peter, it says, was kept in prison. And he says, but, but, prayer was made without ceasing from the church to, to God for Peter. So they were praying in, I believe, John Mark's house. They were praying. And we know how the angel came and delivered Peter out of the prison. He came to John Mark's house and he knocked kept knocking, and finally this young girl came to open the door. Her name was Rhoda, and here stood Peter. And they had just been praying and praying for his deliverance, but still when she opened, just couldn't believe it. Here's Peter. Rhoda, I think is a, I just like to look at her a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, think, I believe she was just overjoyed. God is moving. I just I encourage you, young sisters, there's sometimes you feel that maybe there's not much you can do, but here, 
Give yourself to prayer. Young people, give yourself to prayer. And exult in, his, in the answer prayers. I would encourage you just to share. Share testimonies how God has moved in your life by, by praying. This was a testimony how God had answered the prayer. And, and, and Rhoda was part of this voice, voice piece to the rest of the body that God has answered. Come, come see what, what's here. Uh, um, let's, let's be a Rhoda, young people. Part of this prayer burden here, she's part of this intercessory prayer. God is moving. Um, how is, I don't, I guess you don't get tired of some of your own experiences, but I remember when I was like close to 30 years old, I had various answer prayers specific, but the one that really, really blessed me when I was about 30, I worked at a, I was a volunteer at a certain place we worked with some young men. And I had this young man that had been on drugs and said he's, he's, a no, he's just no, no way he'll ever be free. A vegetable, he blew his mind on drugs. When he was a young Amish boy, he ran away to, to Florida. He was just in well, rebellion. And with, wit, I mean with um, I guess, witchcraft, but rock music and, and drugs, he, he damaged his mind. And they, we were told that he'll never be, he'll just be a vegetable. All he does is sit around eat and watch TV at some group home. But I was involved with helping, trying to help him. And, but anyhow, that's kind of beside the point. But he, he became delivered through the Word of God. He cleaned up his mind. God delivered him. But one day we were out. I took him out. We went to just deliver some firewood to someone. And here was Clyde and myself. And Clyde, we were going down the road and we delivered some firewood. It was hard for him to work at times. I mean, we, he sweated a lot, but he, we made him work. Um, it was good for his system. But one day, after delivering that firewood, on the way home, we just stopped at a little dairy treat. I just I bought a little bit of ice cream for him. Uh, we'll treat him for his hard work. And we stopped the old, the old vehicle. had an old Ford, I think, F-250 probably like in late 80s, something like that, mid-80s. And, um, we got our ice cream, came back out to the, to the truck, and this thing just, it didn't start, just clicked. Well, I, I thought, well, maybe the battery is weak, and, but I knew, I didn't think it could be, uh, I think I knew enough about mechanics that this is something with the starter. It just clicked. Tried it at different times. We opened the hood, and I told Clyde, we're going to pray. These young, these Amish boys, we're going to pray that God will start this engine. So we prayed, prayed over this old Ford, and got, got in the, tried again, it started right up. And of course, we thank the Lord, we really, I, you know, bless the Lord, and I think this really spoke to Clyde that this, God answers prayer, because I took it back to the, to the shop, and it didn't start after that again. I mean, we took the starter off, and there's what they call the Bendix was clean, broke off. There's no way it should have started. But I, I, I believe that the confidence, God, God wanted to honor the prayer, maybe to have it a faith builder for him, and it was for me. But it sets a clear, no way it should have started, but God just started that thing. But one time we prayed. So um, I just say those things, that we should have, let's have a testimony of, of answered prayer. Let's have a testimony, share what God is doing in our life. In our, in our, uh, um, we're not doing to boast because of who we are. It's who He is. Nothing that I had done or Clyde had done or even Ford. Ford surely couldn't do anything about it at that point. It was only God that could help him. 
So let's, let's be like Rhoda, overjoyed at God's answering prayer, exulting in the goodness of God. It seems that's what excited her. What, what excites you, young, young ladies? Does prayer really get you going? And I know this is something that Dan Mass, him and I have been good friends over the years, and my, I, just say, I just say pray for Brother Dan. They've been through the valleys already, but his heart is to go on. But I really appreciate some of the times we had together. But he, he shared with me already, and some of their children have shared, when, when Holmes County Christian Fellowship started 30-some years ago, maybe I'd be longer by now, uh, how they were seeking God. They spent, when the, the, the church was birthed there in Holmes County, it was, it was on, on the after, it's, it was like during that time, they had just gotten together, maybe for a whole week, every evening, just to fast and pray and seek God. Lord, we need to make a way for us and our little ones. They were fasting and praying, and, and God moved. They're, they had their struggles getting started. But that's really, that was really a lot of the birth of what, what's in Holmes County now, of those churches, of those prayer times. And the young people were right there, They're right there. I think they, they said that sometimes they had their fellowship meals on Sunday and the food hardly got touched. After the service, just kind of kept right on going. Young, young people would out, be gathered, a few out under this tree, and some under that tree, crying and weeping, confessing their sins to each other, praying for one another. It's what, <clears throat> it was their life, it was their lifeblood. It was just like what kept us going was the prayer, praying. And I've been told already we shouldn't go back there so much to what happened back there. I, I can't help it, but long for some of those things. I, I do. And I just want to lift that up. Young girls, young boys, don't be ashamed. I just, I just would encourage you to, to, to grab another young person sometime. Hey, let's go aside and pray. I trust that happens here. But this is, instead of, you know, instead of, okay, the deer season's open, you know, you, oh. You know, how you go and what do you see in your trail camera and all that. I'm just saying those things can't, there's not a place for it. But the things, the things that excited the young people in the first church of Christ, things like prayer and, and being involved with what the church is doing, where it is going. I just encourage us to press into prayer. Like I shared last night, Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. And that's exactly what they were doing. Watching and praying. And God was moving. And he'll still do the same today. That's what got her excited, is prayer. How God has answered. You know, when I know that a lot of us are longing for God to move again. We, we feel we need refresh. We need revival. Oh, God, revive us. And I'm so encouraged when I, when I know that's the heart of mom and dad. And there's hope. I believe there's hope when parents are really real with God and and they seek God together in prayer. And I'm encouraged with that, but I'm even I'm more encouraged if young people press into this. If young people decide, let's seek God, let's pray. Let's get together and pray. And I've read of, I remember reading this account of a of a person that had gone traveling, preaching and preaching, going traveling and preaching. Wherever he was going. Wherever he was going, God was moving. It was almost like God was ahead of him, preparing hearts. And people were coming to the Lord. Lives were cleared up. People were becoming established in the faith. And it, it, was till, it wasn't until some time later afterward that it was revealed that 
back home, there was five young ladies got together and spent their time with their faces every day, every time was out preaching, seeking God, keep hand there, just got a hold of the horns of the altar. We're not letting go, God. Please move. And I know all our preaching, we need preaching. I know it's part of it, but it's, I'd say, I'm just going to venture to say this, it's, it's, we're just kind of up against a wall if there's no prayer behind this all. If it's not birthed by prayer, it's just, it's, a, it's just a grind. Young people, get together and pray. Spend time alone in prayer, in your prayer closets. But there's something beautiful about just uniting our hearts to pray. I've worked in, like I shared last night, in various missions in different capacities. But I've, I know the stress it can be with just a few people on the mission field. There, the battle can be intense. There, there's, those things are real, I experience it. But if you can keep your hearts united in prayer, it, it's such a hedge against the enemy, wanting to come in and, and bring things between personnel. There's no, it's no different here. Maybe the body is a little bit more large and seems more relaxed. But if we can band together and pray, band together and pray, the Peters are going to be delivered out of prison. Things are going to come out of prison. And there's going to be a going forth of God's word. After this, Peter went right back preaching. Right, right back to sharing God's word. Prayer. Prayer is very important. I, I read this. I don't know how true this is, but just something to think about. You can tell how popular the church is by who comes Sunday morning. And you can tell how popular it is, how the preacher is, by who comes Sunday evening. But you can tell how popular for G, how, uh, um, how Jesus is by who comes Wednesday night in the prayer meeting. Um, where we're at, I shared it last night briefly, but COVID kind of did a hit on a lot of us, our meetings together, and we're sorting through what to do with all of that. But it definitely, I felt, I felt I saw, and I felt my own heart, it, it had an effect on my life personally, just those six weeks, whatever, we didn't meet together in the prayer time. Soon after that, we, we started meeting. We're encouraged in just in our local area. We're actually um, on the, just in the process of, of an outreach and more in our area, Coshocton County. Um, but so sometimes us, some of us down there just meet together to pray. But I, I, I felt just, just uh, you're going to be honest, those times we didn't meet on Sunday, we did the Zoom thing and all that, I just don't, I just don't get inspired like, like just meeting together like this. Um, but I, 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 I confess to you, I, I just sense a, just a little bit of a, just a relaxing my own heart those times we didn't meet. You know, we can, um, I, I take responsibility for that. I, I want to do that, but I, I know there's an effect. There's an effect if we don't meet together and exhort one another daily, as it says. And I'm so blessed with our ministry decided. They saw that early on, this is not going to be good in the long run. So early on decided that we're going to keep meeting. Um, it's going to be better for us. I, I believe some, somewhere we just need to, everyone needs to find their place um, in this. But um, I'm blessed how we're, we're just back meeting together, greeting. It's just like, this is right. You just settle, everyone's heart is just settled like, this is right. This is what we need to do. For the most part, that is. But anyhow, how popular is, is Jesus here? How popular is he? 
I don't know when you have your prayer meetings and, and all that. I just, I just encourage, encourage you all to just really, let's press into that. It's a thing that's going to move, move the arm of God. So young, young girls especially, can you be a Rhoda, be at the prayer meetings and be so excited when, God, when the Lord moves? What excites you? What excites me? Okay, go over to chapter 13. And I'm sure if we would read between the lines here through the book of Acts, there would be more examples. But in, in chapter 13, um, verse 1 talks how the prophets and the teachers that were at Antioch, they, as they, they ministered to the Lord, verse 2, and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed in Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus, which was an island out in the Mediterranean. And when there was Salamis, a, a town on this island, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And John was, he was a young man, that Barnabas, Barnabas' nephew, evidently, he was his sister's son. Um, they took John, like it says in verse 25 in chapter 12, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry of, of, I believe, taking money maybe back to the poor Christians there in Jerusalem. They took with them John, whose surname was Mark, known as John Mark, and they went, they were sent out by the church at Antioch, but John Mark was traveling with them and says that he ministered as their minister, maybe just a servant, maybe... I don't know, was he doing the menial tasks, whatever needed to be done. But um, what happened, they went through this island, preached at Salamis, and they came unto Paphos. They found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. And here, um, Paul had some dealings with him. He became blind because he was trying to prevent the ways of the Lord. But anyhow, verse 13, I'll just skip down to there for the sake of time. After they were done there, I'm not sure what all affected John to this experience, but something must have happened. For some reason, he decided, verse 13, when Paul and his company lose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. This, this I believe, is, might be looked like, well, here's, a, here's one with a failure. And I'm not sure what all had happened. We, we don't really know. There might have been some, might have been a low spot here for him. But I just want to lift up John Mark. If you fall, don't think I'm out. It's no good. I can't do it. Don't, let, don't go that road. I'm no good. Just negative. I'm just no good. I always fail. Nothing I can do right. John might have had some of those thoughts. I don't know. But we can read later on that he was reinstated. Barnabas and, and Paul actually had a division over, over this young man later on. They actually went apart, different ministries. But God actually sent out two teams in that way. And later on, I, I believe that Paul recognized John Mark again, had appreciation for him. But an interesting thing was that Barnabas, when he took him, when he took him again, it says the first place they went was right back to Cyprus, the place he'd skipped boat or abandoned ship. Barnabas was, was a mercy, I believe. He was a, a helper. You know, picture the Holy Spirit of a, the paraclete coming alongside. 
He, he, had, he had believed in John Mark. He took him, took him under his arms, his wings, but he took him back to Cyprus. He didn't just let him escape. John Mark, we need to deal with this kind of where you left off. Let's go back there and start from there again. That's, I think, his repentance, just going back to where we had fallen. But if you, if you find yourself there with John Mark in his shoes, that you've, I, things look too big, and I, I just kind of skipped out, and I, I'm, I'm tired. I just fail. I just fail again and again and again. I'm just going to give up. Please, no. May the Lord, my prayers of the Lord will send a Barnabas into your life. And, and it's so important that you learn how to communicate young people with, with your father, your mother, if that's not available, with, with other young men, I mean, with other men, older men, and older sisters. Learn to communicate. Seek out a Barnabas. And I want to encourage you as older ones, be, be a Barnabas to, to young men, to young ladies that might be struggling, that feel that they've, they're, they almost can't do it. And sometimes I, I, I feel sometimes in our churches we, we preach almost a, a performance level that makes them struggle a bit at times. Now, I'm not, my heart is there also, but right with the, these high ideals and goals, we need Barnabas to walk right with them. To, um, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the paraclete. It's one that comes along beside, not to beat you down. You messed up again. No, you can get up. Let's keep going. I think, it, I think it's, a, it's something that we're lacking in our, in our churches. I know I, I'm speaking for us out there. I, I see a lack of that sometimes that we come to church and we kind of do our church thing. But how much do we really know these young people? How much do I know their struggles? I know... How much do, that, do, do I know what that lamb is going through? And that's why it was very important to Jesus when Peter was reinstated after his denial to feed the lambs, take care of the sheep, but also the lambs. How are the lambs doing? But anyhow, in all of that, be, be, um, if you're a John Mark and you feel you've failed, you, you've abandoned God, Remember, he has not abandoned you. Many times the devil, the devil has, basically Satan has two jobs with you, either or with people, is to either make those that feel they're not right with God, make them feel they're not right with God, but they really are walking with God. They're seeking to please God. He wants to make the Christians feel that they're not right with him, and he wants to make those that are not right with him to make, feel that they are. So he, he works in, on deception both ends. But if your heart is with wanting to please God, to walk with God, be encouraged. Um, don't, go under the, don't go the negative route of um, listening to the devil. At least John Mark was willing to, he was willing to try it. He was willing to be stretched, be a volunteer. He was willing to be taken out of his comfort zone. Some of these young men, we don't know how young they were. I, th- I believe Paul was surrounded often with a group of young men. I think we can... Um, read at one place, he talks about Trophimus, and he has a whole list of young, appears to be young men, probably single men that travel with him. Some of those are unsung heroes we don't really know about, but those that were willing to leave their comfort zone. And I don't know when Paul writes about being a night and day in the deep, that whole list in Second Corinthians, some of these young men might have experienced that also, but they never got their name out in the public. But they were faithful young men that were willing to be taken out of their comfort zone. Get up and go again. Barnabas. 
Barnabas willing to take him on. So right along with just encouraging you not, not to be discouraged and despondent if you fall, <clears throat> right along with that, to the body at large, um, may the Lord raise up a Barnabas company amongst us in these days. Okay, I think we'll leave John Mark here and go to chapter 16. <clears throat> Excuse me here. <clears throat> kind of had a little bit of a throat issue this morning here. Chapter 16, it says, Then came he to Derby, verse 1, to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there, named Timotheus, or Timothy, what we know as Timothy, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which is well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the, the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in, increased in number daily. I'd just like to look at um, Timothy's life a bit. Here was someone that had a good report. He had a good report of the brethren. He was well reported by the brethren. Something about his life that had proved consistent. I don't know where his father was. Was his father gone? Was he dead? Or was he up in Greece? Or was he there but just not part of the, part of the church? Obviously, it talks, he calls him a Greek. doesn't really say. But it's interesting that as soon as Timothy joined Paul's party, they left. They were headed up for Greece. Maybe where he was from originally. But anyhow, um, look at, just look at, like us to look at the, the very fact that he was willing to be circumcised. And how Paul defended not being circumcised like the Galatians. But when Paul said, I do whatever I can to bring people to Christ. If I'm with these people, it wasn't a wishy-washy thing, but Paul walked with wisdom. He wasn't like he compromised, but he, he when... Um, the need arose to relate to people that were under the law. He did that, he, even to the point that he asked Timothy, will you be willing to be circumcised so it's not, you're not a stumbling block? So I'd just like to lift that up. Are we willing, are you a young person, are you willing to do some weird things to not be a stumbling block? Are you willing to forbear some things that others are doing so you're not a stumbling block, so you're a help to the kingdom of God? For the furtherance of the gospel, this is what I see. Timothy was willing to do this. He was willing to take some physical pain or pain and um, discomfort for the, sake of, for the sake of the kingdom of God so it can go forth. And Paul writes later, for as a son, he has served with me in the gospel. A father's a beautiful picture. Timothy and Paul, a father-son team out there working together and became very close and very trusted. Timothy was very trusted to Paul. They actually sent him as a young man, sent him out to different places to establish churches, to be, to set, even set leaders in, or, in place. Timothy, a young man, he did that. But he didn't do it on his own. He, he was, as with a father, they had a, a sweet relationship. He was willing to, I mean, the circumcision in the old covenant was a set of being set apart. We're God, under God's covenant with his people, being set apart. He was willing, this young Timothy, to have that 
title of I'm set apart. Are you willing to be set apart, young people? I trust you are. You're willing to be consecrated for the work of God. Even being viewed as legalistic. Never heard that term? Today, any young person, because of the Jews in our nation, I, I, I can't imagine what, he, he, what kind of flack he would get. Well, that's old covenant. That's legalistic. He didn't care. He had caught hold of something, a vision that is higher than what people think and what it would, what it would uh, um, appear to people. He caught hold of a vision that the kingdom of God is all that matters to me. I'll do whatever it takes for the furtherance of this kingdom. Does it make sense to myself or not? Does it make sense to others or not? I'll do, I'll do this for the sake of God's kingdom. So are, are we willing, young people, to be above reproach? Just by doing this, there's nothing, there's nothing that the Jews could point at his life. So, well, here's a loophole. There's something that's not consistent, Paul. Paul took all those things away. They have nothing to point at. He was above reproach. And that, that is, we have many scriptures that got God hard for us, young and old, that we live above reproach. We don't, we don't allow anything that comes to our mind that could be a stumbling block. An occasion to fall, cause others to stumble. We're willing, we're willing to do that. And it sometimes can be a lonely pathway if you have to stand alone. Timothy's life from here on was not a piece of cake. It was not a picnic. I don't know how many volleyball games he missed by being out, being Paul's companion. I'm sure he missed quite a bit. I don't know what they did back then. That was maybe the, the rage of the day, but his life was full of ministry. It says, actually Paul kept exhorting him different times in First Timothy 4, I think he says that, let no man despise thy youth. There would have been an occasion for some despising if he would have refused that circumcision. There could have been some Jews that, there's a, there, hey, there's one thing here you're not being consistent. It, it could have been a stumbling block for them, although we know in Christ Jesus, it doesn't make, make any difference. But Paul took any occasion away. Timothy was willing to do it. And here, later on, Paul writes to him, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in your word, in your conversation, your walk of life, in spirit, what, what emanates from deep within, in charity, your love, in faith, and in purity. Just be an example. Be a pattern. Be just like a pattern, like a cookie, like a cookie cutter. Timothy, you need to be like this. That if I would take your pattern and just make a lot of you all over the place, it'd be a good thing. So I just want to ask you, young men, young women, if God would just take you and just duplicate you all over the place here, all the young people would be like you. Where, where would the church be? Just you. Just look, everyone, look at yourself. This is a good question for all of us. Are we that pattern that just we're blameless, we're above reproach, like Timothy was? Later on in 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 
He also tells him, but thou, O man of God, young person as he was, he was doing man work. He says, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, peace, and charity with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But what was he supposed to flee? I talked about a thief last night, how the thieves will come in unexpected. Um, when we were in Tanzania, one morning, it was just getting dawn there, and we had this little dog there that we kept. His name was Cookie. And I heard Cookie barking one morning, <clears throat> pretty early. I went outside, and I saw, I saw someone up there behind the banana plant, or actually banana plants, not trees, and he was kind of lurking around, trying to hide himself. Oh, we got a thief on the compound. Um, and they'd been there before. Um, bikes disappeared. Things just kind of walked and, or got wings. So here, this thief was there. And, well, a lot of things went through my mind. You know, what's Christian's response? What could I do? He was kind of cornered. So I just kind of thought I'll just saunter up there, <clears throat> maybe make some <clears throat> conversation with him. But he fled. I kind of got the impression, I know what it means to flee, watching him flee. And he just kind of took a little route around me, just really moving. No problem, no problem. Not only English, he probably knew. And over the (coughs) gate he goes and down the road. And I I could have had the option. What Usually what happens if there's a thief, if there's a thief on the premises, they start yelling. There's a... Neighborhood, whoever's close by, mwezy, mwezy, means a thief, thief. And people just come from just like ants out of the woodwork and catch him if they can. It's not, it's not fun to be a thief that's caught. Because usually they, they beat, not unusual just to kill him right there, beat him to death, then later have maybe a court case. I mean, first there's judgment, then they ask questions. That's very common um, in those cultures. They just kind of lose their cool and just take care of him. But I, I didn't have the heart to do that, but I just, when, when we think about fleeing, it says, Timothy, flee these things. If we get the idea of fleeing, I mean, we're out of there now. We're gone. And you look at what Paul exhorted him to flee, it's, it's earthly things, it's money, it's riches. It says, flee him. You know, um, young men, are you fleeing those things? Which way are you headed? I guess I'll just, I just want to bless you. I just want to lift this up as, as a plea. Young men, go for it. How Paul is exhorting Timothy, be an example to us older ones. I think as older ones have lost our way. I really do in a lot of ways. We've, we've not discovered how to flee like we should. Sometimes we have it up here, but Everyday life, I, I, I don't know how we're doing. But Paul tells him, flee these things. It's just not, well, like Lot's wife. We're, we're, fleeing, we're fleeing Sodom, but we're looking back. She stayed there too. But he exhorts him to flee these things. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after. <clears throat> You will open up your life to a, to a life of blessing that you can't imagine if you learn how to do in part at least this principle of, of selling things for the sake of God so I can give to the kingdom. 
often we do just from our excess. Maybe some, some is given to the Lord. And yeah, I don't know where to put this all. I've, um, yeah, we're, we're, I'm working, the Lord is working on my own heart in this. But I can just exhort you, young people, have your values where they need to be. It will save you a lot of snares. The Bible talks about that context of drowning in snares, hurtful things, surrounded by riches. Okay, in Acts 20, I'm probably going over time here. I just have two more that we can read about the young people. Acts 20, Paul's farewell address to the elders at Ephesus. But before that, on his way to Jerusalem, he was heading to Jerusalem to testify for the Lord and be arrested. He, um, they were in past Cyprus again. They were on the, the ship. They're heading south or towards the land, towards Syria. And there they tarried, it says in verse 4, the um, finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. When we had accomplished the day, those days, we departed, went our way, and they all um, brought us on our way with wives and... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in chapter 21 here. With wives and children, I had, had... I think I should bring this out also about the... This is after Ephesus experienced the elders there at Miletus. But here later on, their wives and children, and I believe young people are involved with this, on their farewell address to Paul, until we were out of the city. This is chapter 21, verse 5. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. Here again, they were, they were involved with, with prayer, supporting Paul. They, they were in support of this work. Um, young children even. doesn't say necessarily youth, but I believe youth were here also. And just showing that support to someone that is on their, going towards suffering, headed towards suffering. He had the witness already from from some maybe different sources or different prophets, Paul, that you're going to go suffer. But they said they were there as a support. Um, there's something that, there's things that you can do as youth that are available to support the suffering Christians. Those that are, um, even today, I just heard recently, there's approximately 50,000 Christians in, in just North Korea that are in prison, that are suffering. And there's, there's resources available like gospel, I mean, the voice of the martyrs, that you can write letters of encouragement and send it to people like that. But to the, to the suffering ones, to take up a cause for them, young people, it's, it's an opportunity that you have to, to be part of God's work and of an encouraging, an encouragement to them. And also, I think I didn't mention this one, but in chapter, chapter 20, Eutychus, young man, it says he fell out of the window. He was willing to stay up into midnight, up past midnight, I guess until midnight, hearing the word of God. He, he was so open on the Godward side that he fell out the open window hearing God's word. He had a heart, hunger and thirst for righteousness. I, I see here a hunger and thirst for God's word and it could have cost his life falling down. He sunk into a deep sleep, it says. But we know the story. Paul resurrected him, brought him back. But young people, are you willing to sit through a, a long-winded sermon like this one just to hear God's word? Where, where, where's your love? Where's my love for God's word? And I remember seeing this clip some years ago. Actually, when we lived in Griswold, we went to Omaha a time or so 
to the Voice of the Martyrs. They had a conference there. And um, we, there's amazing to see some of these people that actually had experiences. A life partner had been taken on the mission on the field. Some of these closed countries. And then they're, they're, uh, the one that escaped or was left over is there sharing. With experiences like that. And remember there's one clip of a closed country that it showed them they had taken in smuggling Bibles and it was mostly young people that were gathered at a place for, to take these Bibles. They had been waiting and praying and longing for God's Word. And it was just this quietness there. It was just an anticipation as they brought these books in. And when they opened them, it was just like wolves attacking a prey. They just, these young people were just there and just like that snatched up these Bibles. And they started crying. I'm hugging the Bibles, kissing them. We think they're off the rocker. But it's such a desire for the Word of God. Where, where am I at? Where am I, are you at, young men and women? God's Word is so precious. There's no way I would miss a day without spending God's Word. Or, you know, day in life is busy, life is good. Sometimes it's just kind of an um, afterthought. Be a Eutychus. I, I don't know why I don't have more young babies that are named Eutychus. Sometimes I think we should. You know, someone that's willing to... Hear God's word. Um, I don't know I've ever heard of a name like that. Maybe there's one here. I don't know. But be a Eutychus, young people. Staying up late for the sake of God's word. I, I know young people can stay up late for some other things. Sleepovers. and They call them pizza parties and all kinds of things. Stay up late. Now, I'm not saying there's not time for that. But what about staying up late for God's word? I, some, I have some good, good memories of being in Haiti. In Haiti. Some of those Haitians... Occasionally, we would have all-night prayer meetings, just all night, being up, seeking God, praying and singing together. I think we, we, I think we had a time or so at, at Remnant, when we were at Remnant. There were some good prayer meetings there, seeking God together. And it's so encouraging when the young people are right there, and we want to do it. They're actually the inspiration, they're the spark plugs behind this. Be a spark plug, be a Eutychus. I think that should be a next brand name of spark plug, via Eutychus. Acts, Acts 21, <clears throat> as Paul kept <coughs> traveling, we read part of this, how the young, his families and children came out and prayed with him on the, sea, on the shore. Verse 8, then it says, And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea. We entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven that abode with him. The man same man had four daughters. He was one of these seven evangelists. Um, had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. Now that, that kind of shakes our theology a bit, doesn't it? Four girls that prophesy. Well, sometimes I think it's good that we're shaking a bit. Um, I, I, I know, I shared it last night. I know there's a lot of wildfire out there about... with. Talking about the gifts of the Spirit and all that. But there's also a right thing about it, too. That if we react from the one, we'll be in the other ditch. There's a, there's a place that is right. I believe it with all my heart. There's a place that's right. I believe these young girls were full of the Holy Ghost. And then God had, God had given them word. I don't think they were leading out a church at all. Because there's clear directives where, where proper places for all of this. But they were filled with God's Spirit. And they were able to prophesy right along with it. I don't think it's just coincidence. The Bible mentions them. They were virgins. They were, kept themselves. They were pure. 
In 1 Corinthians 7, it says a virgin is one that is pure in body and in spirit. Set apart for God's work. And I'm, I'm trusting that you are in a good place here as a fellowship that the reading material that the, the, your young ladies and young men receive into the home are clean, they're good, they, they, they build, they edify good thought life. It's not so everywhere. There's a lot of plain churches that they have some, some raunchy material that the, the people are reading. I remember we poured the concrete here two years ago, local area there, and we waiting on the concrete to set up. We just walked over to neighbors, some very conservative Amish people, were having garage sale. And I was just shocked that books, box after box of very bad books were there. Then I just started asking some questions of people that knew people like this well and said, oh yeah, that's very common. That's just, young people are just feeding on that stuff. And you can almost, you can almost just predict unless the Lord has mercy and intervenes on their behalf. There's just no, there's just no future. They might keep on having church, church for a long time, but like we read last night, the church at Sardis, Jesus came on upon the church of Sardis and says, you have a name, you live, but you're dead. You're dead. I want you to be careful what I say about others. It's my people, but I, I, just, I just want to warn us, young people, you're going to lose this testimony of being a virgin and being able to prophesy that's what you're feeding on. We become what we feed on. What's, what's our feeding station? Back to the Word of God. They were, they were pure in body and in, in spirit. I wish we would be so paranoid by the spirit of the world that some, a lot of us tend to be about the Holy Spirit. I'll just say it like that. And I say that carefully. I, 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 we need to walk through these things circumspectly, but um, if we just be as careful about the spirit of the world... Um, Yeah, we we'd be might be in better place at times. Okay, well, I had one more here. Maybe I'll just mention mention this young man that he was Paul's nephew, Paul's sister's son. Even as Barnabas had a nephew, Paul had a nephew, and as he when he had been arrested, and he was asked, um, I think in chapter twenty three or so, and whoever was had custody of him had been um, asked by the Council, maybe the elders of the Jews, he sent Paul down to a certain area. Their goal was, we're going to lay, lay in wait, by the way, we're going to ambush him. When he comes by, we're going to kill him. There's 40, more than 40 men that have made an uh, oath. We're, we're not going to eat or drink till we kill him. And Paul's sister's son, his nephew, heard of this. Somehow word got to him. So he went into the castle. He put his life on the line to say, Put his life on the line for the furtherance of God's kingdom also and then to help others. He was willing, to, he was willing to, to be probably incarcerated himself just to try to help someone else, to warn someone else. So this young man, it says the, young, the captain took the young man by the hand and took him aside and um, heard what he had to say. But um, are, we willing, are we willing to, young people, to put your life on the line? Jesus said, lose your life on this earth, you'll gain it. 
are willing to lose our life for the sake of God's, God's word and for his kingdom. I think um, David Rosetta here has um, probably experienced. You, had, you were with Sylvia quite a bit years ago from Romania, weren't your family? What about Elena? Some, uh, but Sylvia, especially, remember your dad talking often about how Sylvia and your family were quite close, but those two girls that grew up in Romania and reading some of their testimonies about how their, their young, their time as youth in the body of Christ was often fleeing the secret service agents on their trail because they were busy about God's word, but it didn't seem it didn't stop them. It seemed the more they were pursued, Elena especially, I think it was that um, daring things they would do, put their life on the line. They might have had mandates, you know, don't do this. The government says don't do that. But they kept right on going. I forget, did they spend time in prison also? I think, I, I'm not quite sure. But they, they put their life on the line. But it was for the furtherance of God's kingdom and for his glory. And, and um, I'd just like to lift that up. The day actually might be coming sooner. We think that God might help us in some of these things that we just are there. And we'll have to make a choice. Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to put our life on the line like um, this young man did? Um, yeah, may, may the Lord help us. I'm, I'm sorry I went so long this morning, but I just wanted to be, have this as encouragement, young people. You're, the life, the time you're in, you have a tremendous opportunity. You have a tremendous opportunity to let your light shine. You're very special in God's eyes. and You might sometimes mess up like John Mark did, but don't stay there. The Holy Spirit is always there. And I believe there's brothers and sisters here that will be a Barnabas to you. Take you along. It might take you right back to Cyprus. You might have to take care of this. But let's keep going. Let's not give up. We're too close to home to turn back now. May the Lord bless you.